you and I for the keen eye. We are here with Vanessa Perry today from Hope Men's. Um, Coburn's also with me today, and we have Piera joining us, which we're super excited about. Uh, for some of our listeners, you're going to be hearing a lot more of Piera as we move forward. I think we should all just clap for Coburn since we talk about that all the time, as he has a new job. Coburn's going to be a dispatcher, so <laughs> yeah, clap for, please clap for me. But um, we're here with Vanessa today to talk to us about Hope Men's, but we'll start with a little bit about you. A little bit about me. Um, I am originally from Texas, living here in Alaska for about eight years now, and still not getting used to that lack of sun, which is going on right now. Um, but um, <clears throat> seven years ago, I had my first kid. It was a bit of a traumatic experience. And as a mental health professional working at Anchorage Community Mental Health, I knew what, like, PTSD was and I was like that's me but with birth is that like a thing or not and so I tried looking for someone that I could go to and process it with and there was no one um in in Anchorage like at all and so I talked to a co-worker of mine and I ended up joining like some mom groups just like talking about birth and stuff but I was like there has to be more like there has to be something that's literally dedicated for moms with like trouble and so because of that it led me to like googling postpartum support international and through that I got some postgraduate training and decided like that was going to be my thing now like I needed to help people families moms dads with everything from infertility trying to have kids to traumatic experiences depression or anxiety during depression and then like the after effects, so postpartum depression and all that stuff. And so through taking that, um, those courses, I found out like, whoa, this is like this huge thing that even like, you know, talking to like older ladies, like grandmas and stuff, they're like, oh, you know what? After putting it that way, I think I had postpartum depression. But it was always kind of like, hush, hush, you don't talk like it's just motherhood. Like, you know, you signed up for it, just suffer in silence, like whatever. And so through that, we started like a grassroots organization in Anchorage, based out of Anchorage when I was living there, um, called Mothering Wellness. And I was still working at local community centers. And then we moved to Soldatna and I worked at the hospital there for a while at the outpatient center. And just, you know, through all this, I still had that, like, I really want to focus full time on this. And so since then, um, I took the leap and started my own private practice and have been helping moms kind of one-on-one ever since. That's been my focus on connecting moms with resources. Um, I'm kind of the volunteer guest. You connect women who want resources in their area. And so I'm like in charge of the lower half of Alaska. And then there's Jocelyn who does like the Anchorage, Wasilla, the most populated area. And then we have another gal who does like the top barrow and all that stuff. So I do volunteer stuff. And then I also do, you know, my private practice focusing on that. So, and I think um, when we talk about postpartum, I mean, there's something that kind of falls in between the cracks occasionally, you know, because there's, I, and I obviously don't know, I'm not a mother, but from what I've been learning, because we talked about postpartum in class, I sound like Eric, dude. So I took this class once. Yeah, but anyway, so. That's where I, you get it from. Yeah, <laughs> and we're talking about postpartum and 
can kind of talk about the prevalence of postpartum a little bit because it's mm-hmm. fairly common, isn't it? I mean, maybe not like full postpartum depression, but definitely like because you're when your hormones are regulating back, like yeah, like mm-hmm. what do they call it? Um, baby blues, like yeah. postpartum blues. Yeah, so I've, a lot of women actually kind of go through. I think that's important, you know, even just for somebody to know, even if they don't necessarily seek help. Just to know that, like, okay, I'm not going through this alone. And for dads, like, a lot, like, I know my husband was like, what is this? This is this crazy woman that I don't even recognize. Like, what happened? So that, you know, guys can be like, okay, be prepared. Know what to do. Know how to how to help. Because in the first place, you don't even know what to do. And then you're like, hmm, like, what should I do or what can I do? Because neither she knows what she needs or wants because she's like, long, <laughs> And you're like, kind of like, okay, well, how do I help her or how do I be involved when right now it's just like the mom and baby unit? Like, they just breastfeed the baby. Like, what can I do? So a lot mm-hmm. of times my part in helping guys, you know, is like, what, sh- what should it look like for you? Like, what's your role? How do you find yourself as a dad and as a new husband supporting your wife who's going through this? So, yeah, it's good to know for everyone. Yeah, definitely. Because it's also sort of like the stuff that we're learning, too, is that like, obviously childbirth and like beyond birth affects the mother far more than it affects the father, like in a typical, like traditional, traditional, air quotes, household, you know what I mean? Because we're still on a point in our history where mothers are expected to be the primary caregiver up through adulthood, really. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that whole, I think it's important for everybody to recognize, like, really what, like, what an important and, like, valuable and just really vital aspect of life motherhood is to the kid because you, know, you are expected to be that primary caregiver I mean however you feel about that or not you know like they like, did come out of you so like yeah it is yeah. sort of here before we really dive into this I was what what does that look like for especially people who have maybe never even heard of postpartum or what what does that mean what does that feel like what are the emotions that surround that because you're saying you were saying earlier even that you know, the dad's like, I don't know what's going on. The mom's like, I don't know what's going on. And what does that look like? Well, um, like you were saying earlier, like the dip in in hormones, like you have this influx when you're pregnant mm-hmm. and it's like all the good juices. So we're talking about hormones as far as um, producing a human being and how all that plummets, um, even just blood supply, like it goes up substantially and then you lose a lot of that. And so within the first two weeks after pregnancy or giving birth, that's about the adjustment time. That's usually about how long it takes. Um, Anything after that to where you're just, and it doesn't always look like you know, like the scary, like, oh, the mom drowned her children in the river type of thing. Um, and I think a lot of times moms, like, they won't talk or ask for help because they're like, oh, they're going to take my kids away if they hear I have postpartum depression. Um, but that's like a very extreme case and called postpartum psychosis and very less prevalent. It's like one in a thousand women. Um, and so what postpartum depression looks like more often or even just... Um, It might not even be depression, it's maybe anxiety, like Mm -hmm. checking baby all the time, not being able to sleep when the baby is sleeping, Mm -hmm. when like you should, you know, they tell you like you should rest, sleep with the baby, like you can't, like just the anxiety is high up the roof. You're just like, 
overly thinking stuff. You're washing bottles over and over, like just like the obsessive compulsiveness of it. So there's like tiers of it or not tiers, but just different branches that, um, you know, she may look on the outside like the perfect mom, like there's nothing on her shirt. She's prim and proper and the baby's perfect and all this like, you know, little suit and tie. And you're like, what? Like, when did you have time for that? So it's not like the usual thing that you might see. Um, so it's important that if there is something that you notice in a woman that is either like way too much or way too, you know, like can't connect with baby. So baby's crying and crying or just doesn't feel that connection with it. Like I guess that's more subjective for her to be on the lookout for, or if you can't sleep, um, and then what it would look like for dad is like, she's not the same person. Like she doesn't like the things that she used to before. She won't watch her shows. She won't hang out with friends. Um, she's kind of a lot more scared and anxious. That kind of thing is what you should look out for. You know the person. And if there's a huge change and shift, then, you know, know that that's one thing to look out for. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's some guilt surrounding that of, um maybe especially with not really connecting, uh, do you think there's kind of a societal expectation that you're basically supposed to be super excited you had a kid and that's kind of your life? Mm-hmm. What is that like? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's like you always see this like, oh, but you always wanted to have a baby or right. you should just be lucky that you have a baby. And, and a lot of times when that connection's not there, that guilt drives you to not saying anything. Hmm. And, and especially here in Alaska. So the numbers are one in seven nationally, but in Alaska that goes to up to one in four, uh, one in three. Why? Because we have the extra, you know, we're talking about the sun that's added into it and make intensifies, um, lack of family support. We don't have big families up here. Mm -hmm. Usually there are a few, but you know, you have military families that don't have dad. Um, we have slope wives that dad goes off for two weeks off, two weeks on type of job. Mm -hmm. Um, So the lack of support and then that sense of community here, if you're not in one of the big cities, there aren't very many like mom groups or support groups. And so that feeds into it too. Like, what is it supposed to look like? You're just fed all this stuff through media Mm -hmm. and it's not the reality. So when you're um, helping these women kind of understand what it's like is it is the process of um understanding that things are okay is that where the uh, i guess how do you approach it how do you kind of work through these these emotions and these feelings in a way that that makes them either comfortable or what what, what do you what is your goal really yeah my number one number one goal is mm-hmm. sleep Like, I feel that fixes a lot for a lot of women. So I'm going to look at how can we get you to sleeping. Minimum four hours, and you know this, you know, through classes probably, (laughs) is what keeps you going. Like, you have at least one good REM cycle and rejuvenation and getting you on through. Um, And so my goal is usually to get you started on that. Whether dad gets involved, like you take the first shift from 8 to 12 and then 12 to 4, you wake up and switch around like that or um, have someone come in and help you. 
If you're not being able to sleep, like what is it that we need to change? Maybe expectations as far as maybe breastfeeding. Breastfeeding can be a huge thing. Like you feel like you have to breastfeed because like breast is best. But if you're dying over it, then having to work with mom on altering those expectations and that like cognitive dissonance that happens of like, this is how it was supposed to happen and it's not happening now and I'm a terrible mother for not being able to do it and being able to shift that thought process is what I work on with just cognitive behavioral therapy of like okay this is what it was this is how it now is um how do we get you to realize that you're still a good mom even if you have to formula feed or get milk from like moms who donate or stuff like that and so uh, working a little bit with that too and um, and then just some of the basics like some moms have never held babies or babysat so like how what is that supposed to look like like how do you take care of a baby mm-hmm. um, and then so some some grounding exercises for her and then interpersonal therapy so just being able to have her make the connections of like how can we get dad involved and what can he do when he's here, like mm-hmm. if he works out or whatever, or who do you know that you can call to come and help out, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Helping her bridge those gaps every once in a while too can be helpful for her, right. which, you know, if, if sometimes when you're so like sleep deprived, you can't think straight. And so yeah. it's good to have someone to like bounce off of and stuff like that. Um, once, you know, as far as talking with any kind of mental health illness, sometimes it's um, situational. And so it's, you know, we fix this, this, and this, adjust this, and uh, life is so much better. But sometimes it's really something just never went back to how it used to be. And so we're talking now, um, how are your serotonin levels? How are your, you know, every time baby cries, are you like shot of cortisol, shot of adrenaline? Mm. You know, like if you're heightened so much all the time with like baby crying and I don't know what to do with him, or I don't know, why they won't, you know, soothe or whatever, then we're talking more like, do we need something like medication for you to like be able to calm down? Or is there something that we can do to, you know, behaviorally? So a lot of times with moms, especially if baby's older now, and they had tummy issues when they were little, and now they've kind of been in the eight or nine month stage where they're older. And but they just got used to whenever baby cries, you get that shot of cortisol in your system, um, being able to train you as a mom to not react that way. And so we start with simple things like put earplugs in your ear and cover your ears and stay like that for five minutes, seeing baby cry and you knowing that baby's okay. And so we start connecting that thought process in your mind of baby is okay if it cries. I don't need to always be like, I can't do anything because baby's not crying stress out stress out and you know and so being able to self-soothe and being like okay you did it five minutes baby was okay you were able to get something done Mm. you know washing dishes or doing what you had to do so um and then we kind of behavioral stuff that we work on Mm. that can be helpful sometimes or sometimes it is something that we need meds for we want to bring in someone that can either help you while you're breastfeeding or maybe look at mind shift and okay we stop breastfeeding and start taking this to help you out because you Mm -hmm. need to be okay if you're gonna yeah keep on being 
do you normally, so do you focus mainly on adults or, cause I know there's a lot of young mothers here as well. Do you yeah. see like all age ranges or if you're a mom, uh, or if you're thinking just any, um, the way I like to put it is like childbearing age. <laughs> so if you're wanting to, or you've had, you know, like an abortion, you need to process through that or, um, miscarriages, um, child loss, pregnancy loss, um, wanting to get pregnant, losing a child, that kind of stuff. When you work with mothers who have had miscarriages or are tr- have been trying for years and then have miscarriages, what are some of the things that you talk to them about? Because that would be an extremely, that'd be a difficult thing to have to go through, mm-hmm. especially when you've been trying. What are those yeah. I mean, kind of conversations like, or what can you do for people who have been in that situation? Because I feel like that'd be a hard one to reach out for help for. Yes. And, and why is because, you know, society is like, oh, like it wasn't, it's, I don't want to get political, but the lines get blurred when, you know, at the same gestation, someone is like, oh, it's an abortion. It's okay. Versus I really wanted this kid and what that means for me. Mm -hmm. And so what I do is refocus on the mom and treat it as if it were, you know, a human that you lost, that you longed for the, the, we, we try and process through mourning the things that they won't be able to experience with them anymore. Just like you would, you know, a dad who you, from now on every Christmas, it's going to be hard and really honoring the person that they lost that they never even met. And so, um, it, it goes from this like non- corporeal being to we we try and work on making it very tangible very um we use a lot of like um you know get a bear and you know kind of uh have this bear you know in every picture that you take with your family from now on in in a way to honor it um take pictures a lot of times with grief in our society it's like oh just push it out of the way, get rid of it. And so it's a lot of education on what does grief actually look like. And, you know, in a lot of uh, other cultures, you have these, the symbolism and day of the dead and remembering people and just different stuff that you do, like keep little bowls of rice for their spirit or whatever. Mm-hmm. But with, with, with them, especially looking at maybe if they can connect on a religious level or just like on a mental and like logical level of like this was someone that you had prepared for and it's not there anymore Mm -hmm. and so being able to take some time and space um, sometimes write letters to them or release a balloon with you know like glitter or just anything that'll kind of those moments of, of of saying goodbye are important and so being able to do that for them can kind of help them move to the next stage of grief. And yeah, it's it's difficult. I've had I've had a client where I am pregnant and she lost a baby. Mm-hmm. And so being able to talk about those things like how does it feel you just being in here with me? Is that too much? Why is it too much? What, you know, when you look at other women or a friend that was maybe pregnant at the same time with you, what comes up with that? And a lot of times if you just speak out what you're what is always, you know, trapped in your head, just letting it out is so therapeutic in itself. And, and and we don't really honor like the loss of stuff. So like, you know, if someone is in an accident and loses the leg, 
-hmm. You don't think of like, oh, I have to grieve the leg and what could have been, my life could have been with that, but you do. And so, yeah, it's kind of the same concept of Mm -hmm. if you haven't experienced it, you don't know what it's like. And so, but the funny thing is that there is a huge number of women who experience having miscarriages or just pregnancy loss in general, abortion and stuff like that. And it's, it can be very damaging. It affects birth, the thought process. Like, I hope it doesn't happen again. I hope it doesn't happen again. Um, and then, like, the guilt of, like, oh, what did, like, could I have done something different, you know? And, like, why? Sometimes there are no answers. Right. Yeah. I feel like the grief process through that is, is this, like, somewhat similar? I mean, because you are losing that piece, you know what I mean? To where, like, you do kind of have to go through those five stages and kind of get, yeah. How many of the mother? This is just such, like, a, like, I I couldn't imagine it. You know what I mean? Like, that's, like, that's kind of where I'm, like, where my mind is running to now is that, like, it would be so difficult for. Mm -hmm. And the thing with the five stages of grief, and this is with just in general, not just with babies or whatever, but, um. You know, I heard this a few years back because you're taught like the five stages of grief. Like you graduate one and go to the next and then you're done with that one. And woohoo, I'm done at the acceptance stage. But it's more of a circular, you know, you have to reprocess or commercial comes on and you remember again and you're like, oh, man, like here I am again. And people are like, I thought I had, you know, processed this already. But when you remember that it's a circular thing that you can, you'll, you'll process through this over and over again, that, that kind of helps to like normalize it. Like, okay, grief is not going to be like, you graduated, yay, all done. Never think about it again. Mm -hmm. Um, It'll come up again. And with each new stage of life, um, as humans, you have memories. So of course it comes back. Yeah. It might hurt a little bit less. But it still hurts. Mm-hmm. To be kind of taken off guard by that it must be really troubling for some people. And just like, yeah, like you were saying, oh, I thought I was over this and now I'm in pain again. Like, what's wrong with me? And no, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just that's kind of how it works. But that's yeah. not necessarily how we see it. That kind of segues into something else I was thinking about. We were talking about how uh, some of these symptoms are, or I guess uh, difficult situations that you deal with are more prevalent in Alaska. Do you think that is related to kind of a, more of an independent mindset uh, specifically? You know, we're kind of separated from the mainland and you kind of deal with struggles and, and harsh realities. And you you just, build your own cabin. And yeah. You shovel yeah. your own driveway and yeah, take out yeah. your garbage. Uh, do you, do you see stuff? those expectations a lot in, in women of just... I should be able to do this by myself. What is wrong with me? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think it's a cultural thing, but also just a personal personality thing, too. Hmm. Whether you're here in Alaska or not is like, oh, I should not. I, my body should be able to, you know, your, your athletes, your people who are active all the time during pregnancy, all this changes. And you're like, you can barely huff and puff to pick up a piece of paper. And you're like, what is this? Like, What? <laughs> Um, and so it's like a lot of that, yeah, like that, the expectations of what it, what you should be, your capabilities, um, that you should be able to do it on your own and not asking for help. Yeah, that all plays into that. Do you do um, classes or, or information on kind of how to shift expectations 
since that seems to play a lot of a, a big part of it is you think this is how it's, it's all going to work out like this and then when it doesn't it's like ah what's wrong mm-hmm. like how do you shift those expectations well um the way i prefer and the way i was trained was cognitive behavioral therapy and so what that in essence means is cognitive the mind and behavioral what you do, what you act, what you say, what you choose to do. And so we go through a process of just being able to, um, what is the automatic thought that comes up when a certain situation happens? And how can we change that? Like, where did that come from? Oh, because when I was young, I always heard my dad being like, you, you're going to do everything your own self. And I'm going to teach you how to change a tire and you will need to depend on no man or no one, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like, okay, well for your life, how has that worked? And so we reevaluate these automatic thoughts that as people we have, and that's how change happens. And so um, at the beginning, we write down the situation that happened. Uh, what were your moods? You know, what were you experiencing? Uh, behaviorally what was happening you know were you just like like you're like exit the room or you get angry and you're like pounding the table or um and what it what happens physically then we look at that next thing is your heart palpitating are your palms sweaty like stuff that your body does without you even thinking about it and so we look at all these aspects and so uh, sometimes when you can't change a thought you look at oh man, I'm getting angry. I'm like tensing up. Like, oh, that means I'm angry again. Okay, so what am I supposed to do when this happens? Like take a little walk. Okay, so you take a walk and you reassess like what is happening. So that's what cognitive behavioral therapy does. Hmm. And it seems to be one of the therapies that is very helpful as far as um, perinatal mental health and mood and anxiety disorders. Um, And also, yeah. Is that what you focus more like that? Is that the theory that you use? I do. I do. And the other one I was going to mention is interpersonal, um, which is kind of new, but it's been the one that over and over in research for this population keeps coming up and it is connecting with mom, husband, you know, wife, who you're, who's around you fixing those problem gaps that you might have, or even just like, you know, I moved out and I had, you know, fuss with my mom for a long time. Like, how can we fix this? Or how can we compartmentalize to where we can use her to mm. help you out the way we're supposed to? Because as a society, again, in the U.S., we don't have that 40 days of rest that you usually have in, you know, some of the Asian cultures and the Hispanic cultures of you don't do anything for, you know, the six weeks postpartum. Mm-hmm. Um, you have people coming in and cleaning for you and that kind of stuff. And so that part is taken away. And we're seeing that with interpersonal therapies, like help, you know, getting people involved. That's yeah. like the number one thing that helps. And so. And I think if you're just like an active listener of this and just like kind of decide to click and scroll today and not necessarily have like wife or you are pregnant, you know, it's kind of something cool to think about too is like maybe the your friends around you that are people around you that are and kind of remembering that you know what I mean and like just kind of taking a moment to step back and be like oh man they're probably probably going through it a little bit right now and like maybe going over and doing and helping you know what I yeah. mean? Like offering you don't even have to touch the baby if you don't want like mm-hmm. don't ask just go over there and be like start washing dishes because then that comes into play. Like I can do it all. No, I'm okay. No, I'm fine. If you need anything, call me. You never get 
calls from people. Right. You, yeah, it's, it's hard to ask for help with that mindset. And so you as a person connected with someone who is a new family with a new kid, you go in and just do. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I brought you like basics. Everyone, you know, eats eggs. Everyone, mm-hmm. you know, fruit, mm-hmm. like eat. Mm-hmm. That's big main things. Eat, sleep, that kind of stuff. You also do like family counseling and stuff too, don't you? I do. I do. Um, I have a level one Gottman counseling therapy. Who the Gottmans are is um, they are a researcher and a therapist who are husband and wife team and they do um, oh, couples therapy. Yeah, <laughs> He's the researcher. So he has, I want to say like 30 plus years of researching like a lab where he has two couples and he says, fight. <laughs> and then I'm going to write about stuff Freeze and see out. how that goes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's fun stuff. And they've developed this way of emotion-focused therapy is their thing. So I, I do add a lot of that stuff, too. And they also have a program for bringing baby home, which is specifically for how does that dynamic change. And it's so good. So good. So I've taken that as well. Um in you know how like it was just me and you and now it's three of us like how does like sex changes um roles change sleep everything changes and so how do we fix that again and how do we like re readjust and with each kid it happens again how do we readjust i have four kids now mm-hmm. and so it's it's surprising like with each new little personality everyone changes and so how how does that look so what? do you oh, go ahead? Do you also have um, services or or advice for like fathers who maybe come in and don't know what's going on kind of deal, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's related to postpartum or not? Maybe they're just unsure of how to handle a newborn. Is that? I mean, I'm assuming that's less common, but is that still? kind of the service you provide or is there something you point them to? Yeah. Um, usually what I've gotten in the past is a new couple with a new baby and it's mm-hmm. rare that I get dad being like, Hey, I need help. Uh, <laughs> so it's usually like under the, like the, Oh, I need help the mom. And, but I always bring in dad if, if I can mm-hmm. and just see how that dynamic plays out and how he feels, you know, confident. Like sometimes it's, the mom is just not letting him do anything or always correcting him. Like, that's not how you hold a baby. And that's not how you do this. And pretty soon the dad's like, okay, peace. Like, I'm going to check out now. Like, I don't, if you're always like slapped on the hand for doing it your way. And that's one thing that I tell moms, like, let him do it his own way. Because if not, you're going to make him not want to help at all. And I think every mom goes through that. Like you have all this time with baby and you figure it out on your own. Like dad also needs to do that on his own. Mm-hmm. And so like when my husband watches our kids, they're a lot dirtier and <laughs> mix matchy and, but they're still happy. They're still well taken care of. It's not how I would have done it, but okay. <laughs> Stripes and flowers. That's that works. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and dads are so genius like you know like you've seen those memes of like dad taping the the kid and duct tape to like whatever (laughs) like the wall or something it's like the kid looks happy (laughs) and the dad is able to do stuff like why did i think of that you know 
it's weird, but it, it worked. Or like rigging up, you know, doing a ponytail with a vacuum. It sucks up all the hair and then you put the ponytail in. There you go. The little vacuum bib. Yeah. I just saw that one. It's like, that's kind of smart. Yeah. It's like, wow. Like if we just let dads do their own thing and stop tell, like micromanaging all the time, kids are fine. That must be a, a pretty common uh, aspect of this is just understanding that the person that you're with is not going to be you. And that's just, I mean, that's the pretty much the end of it is that they're going to do things a different way. And maybe the difference here is that it's, some, it's someone you care about so much, you know, the baby that you literally gave birth to. And then you're like, well, you don't want anything to happen to them or you don't want, you want them to have the best, most uh, successful childhood pretty much. And you want to ruin that for them no matter who gets in the way. Sort of thing. <laughs> but the understanding, but it's really a team effort ideally yeah and also like what i tell moms is like you need to realize that even if your mother-in-law doesn't do it the way you do or your husband or your girlfriend whatever doesn't do it the way you do it don't take that uh relationship possibility away from your kid like Mm -hmm. they're only going to be enriched if they are able to connect with grandma and dad and you know, all these people, instead of like you hogging the baby all the time, like they can only gain more stuff. Like each person brings a whole world of knowledge and understanding that can offer your baby. So you're actually, it's an investment that you're doing, like teach my child more and let my child know how to do other stuff that I don't, that kind of thing. Do you see a lot more uh, connectivity or, or, you know, when a child can relate to a lot more people does that just really just result in kind of a healthier child healthier child and mom pretty sooner or later you'll have baby used to only you mm. and it's like a year or two later and they are still only wanting you and mm. after a while you're just like you know that's a lot emotionally and physically to give to a tiny human all the time so being able to have them connect with other people will help you. In the- so, yeah, little shifts like that. It's like, oh, yeah, I guess I hadn't thought about it that way. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, let's do it that way. Perspective, right, pretty huge. Yeah, no, I think about that, too, like even just like um, in life, there are some things where I'm pretty loose and open-minded, but, I mean, like I feel like it's pretty human because I've never really met anybody who's totally the other way where you're like, there are just some things in life where I kind of want stuff my way. You know what I mean? Like, I want things to be done my way because I think it's the best. But I honestly feel like if you go into a situation, like, not that you have to think it's the best every time, but, like, you're not a little bit confident that you might know what's going on, like, you're probably going to fail. And that's not going to be good either. But, like, having that flexibility just, like, as a human being to be like, and maybe it's just a me thing. Maybe I'm projecting. But I'm like, I have to, like, step back and be like, no. I don't know everything. Like there are more than one way to like do whatever, whether it's parenting or, you know, doing the dishes. Me and my brother always get in fights over the dishes. (laughs) (laughs) What's the best way to do the dishes? Like those are the things that go down our house. It's like we argue over dishes theory. Like what's the best way to do the dishes? (laughs) Like I do have to like step back and be like, it's okay. Like they're all going to get done. (laughs) It's going to be okay. No, I think that's just like an important, like, aspect of human life is just kind of like remain open-minded and like kind of remember that other people have other opinions and are mm-hmm. usually just as capable as you are of pretty much anything else so yeah no, it's a it's a cool concept mm-hmm. I, like it. I just thought i mean i love kids 
First of all, I think they're awesome. They're way more fun than adults, I think, typically. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's important too, is like for dads, especially like to get in, like to be involved, you know what I mean? And obviously like having mom let you be involved is a big deal too. And realizing that it does get difficult for moms and obviously it can get difficult for dads. Like having a child is a difficult thing sometimes, like especially right after. Like I feel like that's one part of life that's like, overly romanticized because like yes having a child is beautiful but like it's hard and like i mean i've never had one obviously i've seen people with kids and like it's just difficult man i've babysat kids i worked at a daycare for like four years and like dude watching kids is hard like kids are awesome and they're a ton of fun but, but they're like, also little punks they are they're, they're the meanest very unreasonable, ever. <laughs> yeah. very unreasonable you make ones. a sandwich they throw it on the ground and squish it down and you're like <laughs> you <laughs> jerk. <laughs> yeah, it's it's rough. Yeah, and remain on that same team. I feel like it's important too. Yeah, I mean? like the parental unit. Yeah, because I feel like, I mean, me as being a child, you know, you can kind of separate that. Like, I can get this from so and so, and I can get for that from so and so, and so like, I'm gonna kind of, I'm gonna roll my dice here and see which one comes up. But oh yeah, there's certain questions you ask dad, and there's certain questions you ask mom, and that's just, I mean, that was standard for me too, right? <laughs> yeah. So be involved, be a team, and if you and you should go see Vanessa. Yeah. 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 Right now I'm focusing on and it's been uniquely helpful in online therapy. And so I've moved pretty much all online. Um especially because I can help people in remote areas. So like Juno, there's no one specializing in that. I have a couple of clients in Juno. These remote locations in Alaska, you don't have maybe not even one counselor in the area. Mm-hmm. So that's proved to be really helpful and helpful for me too. Like I mentioned earlier, I have kiddos of my own now. And so being able to like shift and meet at home with someone um, mm-hmm. and then being new parents, like you don't have to like bundle the baby up bundle me up slide across the ice do the ice shuffle like you don't you can just stay home and do it from the convenience of your own home mm-hmm. so that's kind of what i've been moving toward um that's super helpful yeah super definitely in alaska yeah. oh yeah incredibly helpful in alaska to not have to like go somewhere and that's one less excuse you know is that oh that's going to be a whole lot of work especially if you have a newborn and maybe you haven't slept in a really long time mm-hmm. you, know, you don't want to go and pack up and drive you know to Kasimloth or, or yeah. wherever it's nice to have make things as convenient as possible for help more or less and it's like this shift now I'm seeing it uh, just in generally like you might see on Facebook ads for like better help and talk space and stuff like that um, those are the things that I'm on, uh, mm-hmm. for, and, and, and on those, I just help people in general, like it's not specialized for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it helps like even just as a person, if you are, you know, in your fifties, have a bunch of medical stuff, uh, you're isolated, don't have family to get, like you have to depend on, you know, care rights to move you around and stuff like that. Like that has proved to be helpful with the clients that I have that are just, you know, they're, they're older, they need help, they don't have a support system, being able to just call in and have their counseling session, like it works. Mm-hmm. So, so how do people get in touch with you? The best way is to email me at hopemens at gmail.com. 
Um, and from there, we can look at um, what works best for you if you're local, you know, meeting uh, that way, if that's what you prefer. And then also looking at options for, I don't take insurance right now, it's all out of pocket, but there are programs that I'm connected with that can get as low as like 32 bucks a session um, mm-hmm. if you apply with them, third party. Um, and then seeing if maybe other options, like maybe you can get on BetterHelp and get like a subscription and you just add me on there as your counselor or mm-hmm. just there's a lot of opportunities um, out there. And so email me and we can work out what best works for you and your life situation and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You're spelling that out real fast just for our listeners. Yeah. H-O-P as in Perry. E-M as in Mary. E-N as in Nancy. D as in dog. S as in Sam. At gmail.com. I have also a Facebook, Hope Men's slash, okay. Facebook slash Hope Men's um, and an Instagram, which is probably the best way to see my updated stuff. I check in regularly and give like some good advice and pointers on there and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, hopemens.com. And then also I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Mm-hmm. My handle is hopemens. Nice. What a world we live in. Yeah. Dude, that's awesome, yeah. dude. Like, it's a conversation for another time, but yeah, thanks. Vanessa, thanks for stopping by and talking Thank with you. us today. We're glad we could get this information out to mm-hmm. the people who need it. Hopefully. It was super um, fun. Thanks. Instagram, Facebook, email, all hope men's. Um, find it, use it. Thanks for listening. This was you and I for the keynote.